0: friends welcome to another episode of that sounds fun i'm your host annie f Downs. so happy to be here with you today the music in the background is from our good friend mr drew holcomb you guys he's playing the Ryman next weekend i currently don't have tickets i'm asking everyone i know to sell me one so i'm doing my best to get there but i know a lot of you guys are coming for the Ryman show so i hope i get to be there with you as well Uh, The new album is called Dragons. Make sure you grab a copy. And if he is coming to town near you, uh, you might want to go ahead and get your tickets because he sells places out. And that's what I'm dealing with currently. Today on the show is one of my very best friends. We got so tickled after we stopped recording because we kind of felt like we were talking about things that we already knew because we've already covered all this. But I think her life and her story is really interesting and the work she's doing is one of a kind and and pretty profound in the lives of women. Her name is Jen Jet Barrett and she runs The Well Summit, thewellsummit.com, and Camp Well, which is one of my favorite things that I've never been to twice a year at my new favorite place, Lost Valley Ranch. And with another Camp Well coming up in October, I just really wanted her to talk about it and where it came from and kind of her heart in her life. And I think you guys are just gonna love her so much if you don't already. I'm biased because she's one of my best people, but I think you're gonna love her. So here is my conversation with Jin Jet Barrett. Well, welcome to the podcast, Jin Jet. This is so exciting. Um back up and tell me, let's see. Let's see how we
1: even start. <laughs>
0: Well, tell me what you're doing today. Tell me about the rest of your day because we haven't even talked about today yet.
1: Yeah, we shouldn't have talked for the last week. I know,
0: I know. We should have just bulked it all up to this. Uh, Tell me what is on the docket today for your life.
1: Yeah, so what's on the docket today? After this, I head over to my friend's house to just be with her for the day. Um, She recently lost her husband and the days are hard. So that's where I spend my days and take my laptop and do work. From there. So you're working from
0: there with her almost every day? Yes. My gosh. Yes. Talk about what it's like to walk with someone in grief that closely, like in an everyday kind of way.
1: Yeah, it's been, you know, I've learned a lot about grief walking with her and it's been beautiful. She's actually an Enneagram 4 And so she is able to sit and process and not run from it, which has been beautiful Mm -hmm. for me to, you know, be a part of and witness. And I tell her all the time, I said, "I, I believe that you're one of the most beautiful pictures of Christ in grief. Really? Because, yeah, because she can walk the sadness of it, but also like reach for the hope at the same time.
0: What does that look like? That's like a real, I love you, but that's like a really christian thing to say. What does it mean to reach for the hope at the same time?
1: Well, she sits in her feelings. You know, fours are feelers. They're the feelers. Yes. They're going to feel yes. all the things, the anger, um, the sadness, the confusion, all the stages. But the thing we keep going back to is we're like, okay, how do we not let this get out of, control is not the right word because I don't think we're supposed to be in control. Like too controlling of yeah. what we're experiencing and emotions and feelings. But we do just, we keep going back to the Our Bibles out on the dining room table every day and we just go back to scripture. And so it's, it's staying rooted, feeling the feelings, but staying rooted in the truth. And I'm, it's, it's a going back to it all the time. I mean, literally every day, that's what we just try to keep going back there. So that's, I think her biggest fear is that she would let her feelings um she would sit too long in them mm. and so we just sit in them for a while and process and then we just try to go back to truth and that's that's where i'm saying just kind of reaching for hope yeah. constantly
0: yeah. um and she lost her husband really suddenly in like an accident
1: yes and so there's no no preparation yeah
0: there's no preparation and there's no understanding
1: <laughs> no so you're you're doing all the things like trying to understand trying to comprehend Processing stages of grief, um asking the questions. Yeah.
0: Before her husband passed away, you had a plan for what you were gonna do this fall. <laughs> and now that has shifted.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because I would say, and you and I've talked about this. I, I would say that about four years ago, um, the Lord really made it clear to me why I did not feel a calling to have kids. Mm-hmm. And the word he gave me was availability. yeah, And so a lot of how I've shaped my life, and it's taken a lot of work, but I think a lot of how I've shaped and designed my life is to make sure that's a high value yeah, is availability. And so, yes, I have work to do. I have a jo- job, I have things to do, but the ability to do it from our dining room table has been a huge blessing and privilege. And so Yeah, I'm just navigating um, what it looks like to keep going on in work and life and and responsibilities but stay available.
0: Would you want to talk for a second about uh, not having kids? Yeah. So you just feel like, I I think that's really interesting because there are friends of ours who are listening who can't have kids and Uh friends who are listening who have chosen not to have kids. And then there are people who do have kids that kind of don't understand choosing not to. Right. Um, So what's, what made you come to that? Did you, were you unable at first and then you decided, or did you always feel called to this or what, what's that journey like?
1: Yeah. It's even, I need a new word for called in this Uh arena. Like Uh I, it's, I don't know what the word is. Um, it's more of a, just a piece and a deep understanding, I guess. But, um, you know part of my story is i got married at 23 24 um and day one of that marriage was really hard and that marriage lasted for 15 years and it was really really hard um, all those 15 years and early on i i remember as a kid thinking it was weird that i didn't Want to grow up to be a mom. I think I looked around. You like never felt
0: that as a kid. You like didn't play like you were a mom or, yeah, yeah.
1: And I I could look around and that looked different because I I felt like a lot of my friends, a lot of girls, you know, and friends that would just say, I can't wait to be a mom, get married, and be a mom. And that was never something I said. I assumed that would be what happened in my Mm -hmm. life because it happens. That's just what you do. And then um, walking through a really hard marriage, it really puts things into perspective. I think I had a, praise the Lord, had an early understanding that having a kid wasn't going to fix a hard marriage Mm -hmm. and knew what it would require to be a good mom and a good parent. And so as I was facing the expectation that all women just get married and have kids Um, And then having a deep understanding that that wasn't going to fix my marriage, I really sat and processed and asked the Lord, like, what do you have for me? And so as that marriage just got hard and difficult, and it ended um, at about 15 years in, the desire to have a child was never there. And I was confident in it. It felt like I could never explain it to people because like you said, some people look at that. A lot of people look at that, I would say, and just look at it with confusion. Like, I don't know why. Or aren't you afraid you're going to regret someday not having kids? Mm -hmm. Or um, do you think it's just not timing? And I never had an answer other than I just really believe this is what God has for me. Yeah. And as I got older, I wondered if it was protection in a marriage like If God knowing this wasn't, this marriage was going to end, what if that was God's protection? I don't know. What if, what if I physically couldn't have kids and it was something He didn't give me a desire for on top of that? I don't know the answer as to why. I just know I had a confidence and this was not what God had for me. And I've seen in the last few years. It'd be very clear to me why, and it's just he had a a calling of availability on my life and a different journey. Man,
0: that is so interesting. It just feels like um, that you and I have talked about this in real life, too, but it just feels like that's a um, conversation the women in the church haven't been allowed to have of like, what if I don't want this?
1: Right, and I remember, this was probably 10 years ago. This was an extremely profound conversation I had with with a girl who was pregnant with her fifth child. And I had just met her and we were just sharing stories and testimonies and I was just sharing this about my life and this decision and what I felt God was making very clear to me. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes, pregnant with her fifth child, and she said, "I I love being a mom. I just I don't know if I ever knew I had a choice whether mm. to be one or not. Yeah. And just kind of weighing all the and every mom knows it's an extreme privilege and to be a mom. I just think to your point, I don't think there's space and freedom to even process and pray through. Is this is this what God has? Right.
0: And what would you say to the women who like are dying to be moms, but it just hasn't happened yet? How should they talk about the availability thing that is a gift?
1: Oh, it is. It's been an amazing gift. If you see it as a gift, I think mm. that's what you have have to see it as is you have a gift to give for a season uh, and it's availability in ways that nobody else can. I know for like right now, our community that's coming around my friend they are showing up in amazing ways with meals and things like that. But to be able to yesterday, we went to the social security office and it took a good, you know, hour and a half, two hours in the middle of a day. And to be able to do that and give that to her, it it is a gift. I do feel, feel like it's a gift and a privilege to be able to do that and to see it as that is a beautiful thing. And I think moms in the middle of the waiting, um, that, that will be a mom someday um, if that's what God has for them. In this season of waiting, there's a lot to do in the yeah, waiting. There's yeah. a lot to be able to give in the waiting.
0: I have found in my life as a non-mom currently, I absolutely love the role I do get to have in other people's kids' lives.
1: Yeah. it. This is a part of the story that's really crazy to me. I would say when, so my friend has a a three-year-old and, When we received, when uh, my husband now and I received his two-year birthday invitation. So this was last year. And we got his two-year birthday invitation in the mail. I remember looking at it. I remember exactly where I was. And I remember looking at the birthday invitation. And the Lord just was real clear, like, this is a family you're going to need to be there for. Hmm. This is one of the reasons. before the
0: accident, a year before. Yes, this was
1: a year ago. And it was, it was confusing to me because I thought, but this is this is a family that's got family and surrounded and, mm. and it's beautiful and amazing and what they have. So it's a little confusing to me, but I just, I knew the Lord said, this is a family that's going to need community around them and need you around them. And now I know why. And it was clear to me that this was one of the reasons the Lord didn't have kids for me mm. was to be there for this family. And I didn't know it was going to be in this way.
0: Yeah. To me, Jen, like one of the things you are saying is how you felt the Lord say this and felt the Lord say that. One of the things, you know, that we love to ask people who are on the show and something I've seen in your life in the couple of years that we've been up close friends is you really, you do hear the Lord in your life in a, in a couple of different ways. I feel like he reaches out to you and makes sure that you know what he's saying. How How do you know his voice? How do you know it's him? like when you when you saw that birthday invitation and you felt like you were going to be committed to this family how would you know that was God
1: I wish I had a really awesome answer for this
0: <laughs> <laughs> You do not have to
1: I really wish I did because I ask myself the question a lot because I want to be able to tell someone how how do you know it's of the Lord and I really do think it's it's three things for me it's it's being in community and testing the things against God's word mm-hmm. prayer and people Mm -hmm. godly wisdom and i think me staying in those spaces in those three places has just made the voice clear god's voice clear against what's not true and um you and i had this conversation um on a walk one day about risk and is it you know is risk really risk if we're in God's Word, in prayer, and mm-hmm, in community. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I test these things out, is against those those three things. And the more I walk in those three things, the more I just clearly, more clearly hear from the Lord. Again, I wish it was a more profound answer, but—
0: What does He sound like to you?
1: He sounds like a cheerleader, like someone really for me and how He's written my story wired me, gifted me, placed me. He seems really for me and cheering me on mm. where I'm at. What does that sound like?
0: Like, is it, do you feel that from, do other people say stuff to you and you go like, that's the Lord? Or is it what you read in scripture? Is it what you hear when you're praying? How do you know he f- sounds like that?
1: Um, I feel like lately it's been in a way where my life makes sense. Mm i'm forty two, and the story he's written for my life is not one I would have chosen, but one I wouldn't trade and all that it's as if the last year it all makes sense. Not that I ever questioned that it didn't make sense. it's just the pieces have been put together in front of me, and the why around the story and the hard and the suffering. Mm-hmm. And I'm just seeing it all come together and make sense.
0: Yeah. So you're part of you hearing the Lord is just looking at the doors that are opening and closing in your life and seeing his direction.
1: Yes. And you and I are wired so similarly this yes. way where we're where we're always looking for where God is moving, is that a what's seven He thing? doing. It I think it is a seven thing. I think it's the way that we it's our gift of reframing and seeing hope and seeing goodness and making good out of hard things. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's been part of what he's given us the ability to do. And so I'm always looking for him everywhere. I'm always trying to look for where things make sense and fit together.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that is very similar about you and I is that I, I kind of feel like any story I'm in the middle of, I do, I work or any story that I'm in, in my life, beginning, middle, or end, I am trying to zoom out and see what this is actually connected to.
1: Yeah. And that's a seven thing. It is a seven thing. You're such an Enneagram expert. one of my favorite things about being a seven.
0: (laughs) Talk about how much you love talking about that Enneagram. It's one of the things that makes us dear friends.
1: It is. And it's funny because now, I don't know if you, I would love your opinion on this. Now that it's, the thing everyone wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. Now I almost don't want to talk about it. unless really? it's Yes, unless it's in a really constructive way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when I, now that people know this is one thing that I do and teach and speak on, anytime I'm in a room or at an event or a dinner or something, people want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Do you hesitate to talk about it when it feels like a real high level not deep conversation? Are you willing to talk about it anytime, anywhere?
0: Well, the problem is what people don't normally have deep conversations with me about it. They just want to talk about the fun parts of it and what their number is and how they figured it out. Right. Real quick. And I mean, real quick. uh, Can you tell me your favorite thing about each Enneagram number?
1: (gasps) Oh, yeah. Because you're like properly
0: trained. People should know you're like, you go and speak about the Enneagram, you're a coach, you like know things.
1: I do, but I'm not, this is what I clarify to people. I'm not the best. I'm like, I'm not like a deep expert. Mm. I love teaching people why it is such an incredible tool. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel like my role in this little Enneagram teaching world is. Ah, I love teaching people that it's an incredible tool and they should use it for, for all that it offers. Right. Like I love doing that. I love the workshop setting.
0: Okay. Perfect.
1: So. I would say my favorite things, my, my favorite thing about a one is I don't, as a seven, I don't deep dive into details. And I love that ones can see, um, what needs to be, they see the things that need to be fixed and need to be, and I, and as a seven, I love that because sometimes I just stay high level, not in the details. Twos. I have dear friends that are twos that are incredible friends. They're some of my dearest friends are twos, and they love so incredibly well and teach me a lot. Male or female? Uh, Female mm-hmm. twos. I don't know. I don't even know hardly any male twos. I know. It's very interesting, isn't it? It's very rare, male twos. Mm-hmm. Male twos and male fours are rare.
0: Not nashville sister. Male fours are throw a rock and hit a male four in this town.
1: Oh, okay. That's where they live. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, threes. I mean as someone that doesn't have a lot of executor gifts i love having threes in my life because they get stuff done fours like i mentioned earlier can sit in grief and it's a beautiful thing and yeah. um, they push me to process and and sit you know process through hard things uh fives intrigue me fives i don't know a lot of fives but their desire for knowledge i connect with them on that as a seven they love to learn things and i connect with that and then Sixes, I access my six wing in relationships, and so they're them just being the people that are for you and with you. Are it's I love that because that's where I access sevens. I love that we reframe um, and see the good mm-hmm. in just about everything. I love that it's a gift. I think eights. You know, it's funny because I've had friends say I have a friend that's an eight, a really strong eight, and I have, and I've been asked how. How are you friends with that person? How's that working out? Man, when you are on the inside with an eight, like one no of those kidding. few friends of an eight, it's so awesome. They're your biggest cheerleaders. Yeah. And then nines, just their their perspective to see everyone and everyone's point of view and that they really are encouragers because they want to see everyone come together and they want to see harmony. And so they're really incredible encouragers. Mm -hmm. I
0: agree. I, yeah. Which number helps you grow the most slash makes you crazy?
1: (laughs) Oh, what number helps me grow the most? Honestly, I would say it's a one. Really? That's hilarious. And that's who you married. It is who I married. Oh my gosh. It has helped me really grow because I do not have an inner critic in my head. I don't. And unless I go to a really stressful place, which we know sevens go to one. Um, and so it has challenged me the most to really see things from his perspective mm-hmm. and to not take anything, to not take things personally. Yes, So it stretched me a lot to really see things and sit in because he processes and I want to say overthinks things. That's a, not, that's a negative way to see how he thinks. That's not to speak that way is not kind. To call it overthinking is not kind. And so I have to work at saying, how is he viewing this situation? And why is he spending so much time processing it this way? Mm-hmm. And it stretched me to sit in it with him.
0: Okay, friends, Interrupted in the show with Jen for just a second to talk about my friends at Samaritan Ministries. Samaritan is a healthcare sharing ministry where members help each other pay for medical expenses by sending their monthly amount directly to one another for their bills. I'm a member, and it's seriously such a cool process to be a part of. I'm not just paying for a product to meet my needs, but I'm able to have that need met, paying for my medical bills while being part of a solution for others in the same boat. Here's how it plays out. So each month I get a notification from Samaritan Ministries, letting me know who to send my money to and how I can be praying for that person. I can even send a note with my money just to reach out, let them know that they're not alone and that I'm praying for them and that I can even share a verse if Holy Spirit brings it to mind or puts one on my heart. Then if I ever have medical bills, there are over 80,000 Christian households ready and waiting to do the same for me. Membership costs range from $100 to $535 a month, depending on your age, household size, and the membership option you choose. You can learn more and sign up at SamaritanMinistries.org slash that sounds fun. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash that sounds fun. Now back to the show. Will you tell us how you and Rhett met? I love this story.
1: Yes. It's my favorite story. I was, had come out of post healing and processing after my divorce and had sat with one of my girlfriends and her husband and they asked, you know, are you going to remarry? Are you going to date? What does that look like? And I thought, are you people crazy? (laughs) Like, I haven't dated in 17 years. And the last time I did, we didn't even have cell phones. Mm. So now there's texting and apps and swiping and no, like, I don't even know how I would go about doing that. Did
0: you really think when you got divorced, did you think this is the like, this is the end of my relational life? Like this will be it.
1: I don't know that I thought this will be it. I think I just, I think you think, is that even an option? I don't even know how to do this. It probably did cross my mind. but you just have, you kind of shut it down. Cause you're like, I have no clue how this would even happen. Yeah, Like you don't know single people anymore at 39.
0: Right. When you're 39 and have had, and have been married for 17 years.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we were, we had been married for 15 years. I was 39. You think there's, there's swiping and apps and I don't even know how to do this. And so you just, you look at the future as I have no clue is kind of what you think. And this friend said, well, you should, you really should tell your high caliber married friends to set you up with their high caliber single friends. And I was like, well, that's, that sounds like a good idea. I still have no idea how that would happen Mm -hmm. because you start processing at 39 who in the world is single. Like, you know, and about a month later, I was at IF Gathering and I help, I just help and serve there any, any place I can. And two of my friends, two of my guy friends were working IF Gathering and I ran into them and just said, Hey, the, they were asking me how I was doing. And they said, Hey, how are you doing? Checking in, seeing how things were. And I said, yeah, I'm supposed to tell my high caliber married friends to set me up with their high caliber, single friends, joking. It was completely a joke. And they said, well, the first person I was, there were three of them together. And one guy said, well, we don't have anyone in Nashville. So sorry. And then the other two guys said, well, we have somebody, we know somebody, he's a seventh grade science teacher from in Springdale, Arkansas, which is where they lived, right. and I thought, well, that that doesn't sound. Because you
0: lived where at the time?
1: I was in Dallas. Got it. And and I thought to myself, well, that doesn't sound very high caliber, right? <laughs> you know, that was, <laughs> you're like that's I don't even live like I don't live in that state. I there that's long distance. How's that even possible? And they said, Why well, aren't you coming in town in a couple of weeks? And I said, Yes. And anyway, we we all met up for a blind date, and I can't believe I showed up for it, but these two friends stayed the entire time, which other people think that's insane. But we all said that's actually, it worked in our favor because Rhett and I acted like ourselves because we were with our friends. Yeah, And in the end, it was about an hour. I was about to go speak and we ended that hour and it was fun and easy. And the next day, I was the one who sent the first text. I asked my friends for his number. I know I'm breaking all sorts of (laughs) handbook rules. And I sent the first text and I just said, hey, you know, thanks for being brave enough to show up yesterday. And he immediately texted back. and
0: So y'all left and he didn't ask for your number? No. So were you like, "Well," well, I mean, it didn't slow you down, did it?
1: It didn't. And I thought, well, what's the, what's the harm in asking my friends, our friends for his number. And so I did, and I just texted and you and I've had this conversation about how as sevens we're pretty, we're pretty brave. We're pretty, we're risk takers. We're brave. And you and I've had this conversation. How much do we stay true to who we are? Mm -hmm. And then how much do we abide by these unwritten rules of how to do this dating thing? Right. And you and I have processed a lot of the tension of that. And I think in that moment, I thought, well, this is just who I am. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say thank you. And if if he doesn't respond or nothing happens of it, that's fine. It was early enough to where I was like, it's fine. And that was that. We ended up dating long distance. And it's an incredibly crazy, awesome story. And we got married a year ago.
0: Yeah, almost exactly. Will you for a second talk to women who about something you and I talk about mm, a lot is what it looks like for women to be pursued, but also to be themselves and to be strong and to like what, how do you determine for yourself, for the woman listening, how do you determine for yourself the line of what pursuing and being pursued should look like in a dating relationship?
1: This is such a great question that took a lot of work for me to really understand. When I came out of my divorce, I had to fight to believe the lie that I was unlovable and didn't have the capacity to love and that I was just too much, mm. that I loved Jesus too much, that I dreamed too much, that I was too ambitious or too All these things that were really just too much. And then there were places that I felt like I wasn't enough. Yeah, Um, Intimacy, I felt like I wasn't enough. And I think a lot of women can relate to this coming out. of Anytime you come out of a relationship, there are these things and lies that you have to fight to believe and put on yourself. Uh And so a lot of what I had to do post-divorce was really have a deep understanding of who I was. This is how Enneagram came into my life. Oh, really? Yes, because I had been introduced to it um, before my divorce. And then walking through healing, I really dug in. And for me, it was rewriting these lies that I believed I was defective. These things about my personality that I thought were defective were actually how God wired me. Right. Now, we all know that there are weaknesses we all carry with us. A different weakness or stronghold. So I came to terms with what my strongholds were, and but then the things I believed were defective about me were actually not. Um, they were how God wired me, mm-hmm. and I had to become really confident in in who I was. So that was the first kind of part of healing. Because yeah. I think if we, when we go into a relationship with someone, we've got to be really clear about who we are how we're wired, what our personality is, and not compromise on that. Right. And so that was the first thing I did. But
0: like I also think what you're what you're saying is there's a balance because we all have weaknesses, there's a balance in going all in like this is me, deal with it. And here is how God made me. Also I recognize my weaknesses. So there are people speaking into that so that I'm not operating from a place of unhealth.
1: Yes. Because when we when our weaknesses and strongholds flare up, it's because we're operating in fear mm. of something. Yeah, that's right. And so you and I have talked a lot about this. One thing I did when I was dating Rhett, I, I've, I probably have never spent more time on my knees praying and surrender yeah. that I would maintain who I am, the fullness of who I am with confidence. I wouldn't compromise who I am in order to please someone or make someone like me back.
0: Because Uh the truth
1: is, if they do not like the fullness of who I am, they're not who I should be with. But I have to know who I am first and I have to be confident. first. And then, like you said, the balance of that is, I mean, I was on my knees so many times. I can see myself in my living room, knees on a pillow at my couch Mm -hmm. time and time again during that dating relationship because I wanted to surrender anything that was out of fear because you can and a lot of us i mean when we date someone after a broken relationship there's fear we can be tempted to bring into it because the last one didn't work yeah and so there's this fear of what if this one doesn't work what if he doesn't like who i am um and those fears can cause us to be somebody that we're not yeah or to try to tro- control a relationship yeah. in ways that god wants to and we shouldn't right And so the only way I could find to stay in check was stay on my knees.
0: How does that change your prayer life to pray on your knees?
1: Oh my gosh, it was so much surrender. It was really a posture of surrender. That's what it was for me. It was just a posture of surrender and giving it back to the Lord every day. Mm. That if this is not what you have for me, take it. Take my desire to try to control this and shape this and make this work. So it was really a posture of surrender to me all the time. Mm-hmm. And one thing I did in that season of healing before I met Rhett, the other component of that was I had a friend say, you should write down what you are praying for in a spouse. And I remember writing it in my prayer journal. It felt very high schoolish. You know, yeah. what, we, what we did back in high school, it felt really weird as a 39-year-old who had just walked through a yeah. divorce because it forced me, your question earlier was, what did it look like to think about dating again or remarriage? And it forced me to go there, which was real scary. Right. And I remember writing out these things. I have it on my Instagram. I posted about it a few months ago, but because I wanted to remember what they were and they were things I never would have written at 20.
0: Oh, really? It's a different Completely
1: different. Because when you when i I grew up as I grew up, I knew came to know the Lord at nine. I grew up in a, you know, in the church and with Christian friends and walking with the Lord, and had a very skewed view. Well, let's be honest, I didn't have a gospel view of grace mm. and suffering and how that shapes us as followers. I didn't. and I hadn't suffered, yeah. I hadn't needed to know what grace was. I just knew what following the rules looked like and being a good Christian girl looked like. Yeah. And if you check off these boxes, if you mail, if you marry someone who wants to go to seminary and do vocational ministry, and then everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to. And so my early years—I mean, my young adult years—were checking boxes. Yeah, and at thirty-nine. I prayed a prayer that looked like, God, I pray for someone who has walked through suffering, who's wrestled with you and come out the other side, understanding grace and the gospel mm. in a new way. Mm. I met that did not feel safe to pray for at 20. Right. That sounded, right. I never would have prayed for that at 20. Right. And yet what I got was that in Rhett, he, same story early on in ch- as, ch- as a kid we probably came to know the lord at the same age mm. and grew up in church and had the same story but then he walked through 10 years of just dark walking away from the lord and how that has shaped him i would take every single day really he oh my gosh he has a deep understanding Humil- his humility i've never seen before His prayer life, I've never known before in somebody. His dependence on the Lord only comes from suffering. Oh, wow. And so I've gotten to witness that in a way that I've never, that I don't think someone would have if they had not. I think people can have strong relationships, you know, deep relationships without brokenness and suffering, but you and I know that it does something to people.
0: Were there things on the list like brown hair? And you know, (laughs) likes to play golf and things like that too. Were you specific like that, or was it more spiritual, high level stuff?
1: It was more spiritual, high level stuff because I think walking through what I did, I realized none of that stuff, it just at the end of the day, it doesn't make a marriage. Mm. And that sounds so, you know, what some old person says with wisdom, and I'm using air quotes, but we are leading, we lead a small group of. 20 uh, somethings, early 30s, and they're all single. And when they come to us about their dating relationships and the things that they start talking about are those things like, well, I just, I'm just not that attracted to her, or I, I don't, you know, really like about how she is or how he is. And, you know, our hearts break because we're looking at, I never, Rhett would never have considered. His list would never have included a 39 year old divorced woman who lives in Dallas. Yeah. That would never have been on his list. I never would have chosen a. He was 37 at the time, never been married, lives in Springdale, Arkansas, you know, is a teacher. I'm trying to think of all the. Th- we joke that we never on paper would have chosen each other. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, that's why my prayer. Like you were saying, is probably it was more high level and more spiritual things because you realize at this point in life, those are the things that... And I am so in love with my husband. I'm so yeah. attracted to my husband. And I love that he's a teacher because you know what? For a seven who works for themselves, we get summers off and yeah. two weeks at Thanksgiving yeah. and a week at Christmas. And we love to travel. And I could not have married a more perfect occupation. As a teacher, yeah, and so the things we think we want, God just blew us out of the water.
0: Now here's a question: I don't know that we've ever talked about. When I look at my life and how much I love my life, how much I enjoy my life, I love when I'm dating. I mean, I love dating people. I want to get married. I don't want dating people, but I love, I love that. I want to get married. Tell me what you, how your life changed in what you gave up when you got married to Rhett.
1: Yeah, I've asked this question of, and I've had this question asked to me before. How, if you walked through such hard in your first marriage and walked through divorce, why did you want to get married again? Like, if that was so hard, why is it that you wanted to get married again and that didn't feel broken to you? And you and I are both, we love our independence, we love freedom and you know, flexibility and traveling and all those things. And I think when we, when I met Rhett and found out early on, he loved yeah. those things, like he loves traveling, Um, that component of did not feel like I had to give something up. It felt like mm-hmm. I could do something with, like we got to do it together. And so that didn't feel like a sacrifice to me because it wasn't going to be. He loved doing that. And I think the other thing, Annie, and this is what I say that I I believe for you, I know this and I believe this and I pray this for you um, in a spouse, is you will find someone that is so attracted mm-hmm. to the things that make you Annie. And Rhett is so attracted to the things that make me Jen, that I am independent, that I and I don't, I don't mean independent and in that I go do my thing and he does his thing. Yeah, We are interdependent together as a couple. And that's the difference between being codependent and independent. Oh, it's good. this coming together and being interdependent together. He cheers me on. He is so for me going and flourishing and walking out in my gifts. And if that looks like I need to go travel to Dallas next week and speak for a few days, he is so for that. If that means I need to go see a friend this weekend, who's really struggling, he is so for that right. because he's attracted to those things about me. Right. And it doesn't feel like I'm sacrificing when I got married. Mm. It felt like I got a teammate who was for me, wanted to see me flourishing and will actually push me if I'm trying to shrink back from that.
0: But I mean, you move cities, you move friend groups. I mean, you, you did. There was loss in this, right?
1: There was loss. You are right, but I will tell you the thing, and I think that's why the being on my knees at that couch where it paid off was that surrender. That that posture of surrender was just the Lord coming in and and changing my heart in those places. Mm. Yes, it was hard and sad to leave my friends. There are there have been plenty of tears, but what I was looking towards just felt, it felt better to me, Mm. which feels weird to say.
0: No, it doesn't. That's that. I don't know that that's not true. I mean, I believe you.
1: And I think as a seven, what I learned and I had a friend speak this over me, that it is okay to sit in the tension of grief and joy. Yeah. Like grief and joy can coexist. And if I've learned anything in the last two years, it is that.
0: Yeah. They go hand in hand better. than They do. Yep.
1: And grief. Being sad about leaving my friends can just be that sad about leaving my friends, and it doesn't have to steal from the joy of moving to Northwest Arkansas and marrying the most amazing man and really having built in community here. He has an incredible community here, and I can be really happy about that and really sad about leaving my friends. Yeah, and being really happy about being here doesn't mean that I don't love my friends back home and miss them terribly. I swore I would never leave Dallas. I loved that city. I swore I would never leave. I loved my life there. I loved my friends. I loved my community. I loved the ministry we were all doing together. And if I had loved it so much and had not been willing to surrender to whatever God had for me, I never would have texted Rhett Barrett.
0: Uh, Okay. Cause you'd have gone like, sorry, you're not in Dallas. Dallas, Yeah.
1: Like I never would have just leaned into what I could tell God was kind of doing. I never would have just given it a chance if I had decided that my life was always going to be in Dallas. Yeah. And I really think that that just posture of surrender, which I talk about it like it's easy. It's not easy. (laughs) It's not, it's a conscious decision. Um, which is, I think, why I do it on my knees, yeah. because that's just an in, an intentional, hard place to physically get. But I really do believe that that was what gave God space in my life to really change my heart. Honestly, when I moved, it was sad, but it wasn't hard.
0: Yeah. Like you just knew. Yeah.
1: I did. I had a lot of peace about moving to Arkansas, everyone. I even thought this should be the hardest thing to move to Arkansas and leave all my friends. It should have been so hard. And it really wasn't because I didn't fight it. I just let God come in and give me really good peace and comfort about leaving. Yeah.
0: And now you're happily in Arkansas. I am. And I love it. That's and it's, right. You're wearing that red and white. I mean, you're cheering for him like you mean it.
1: I am. What a lot of people don't know is actually I was actually born here, so it feels like I'm cheating a little bit. Oh, yeah, so you just came home. It wasn't. It wasn't that foreign yeah. to move here, but yeah. moving from Dallas up here should have been a lot harder, and it wasn't. And I think that's where I just I want when I look at my incredible single friends, I just want them to take a few more risks and be open to God's better story. Mm. We think we know what it is. And so I think we control things. I think that was that day that I texted him, and uh, I liked who he was, and I liked his friends. Yeah, he came with a lot of credibility.
0: Yeah, his <laughs> if he was a restaurant, his Yelp score was high.
1: Yeah, he had a, lot, Yelp of, score he had was a high.
0: lot of good definitely votes. Yeah.
1: a lot of good reviews, and it was worth just saying, "Hey, thanks for showing up," yeah. and seeing where it would go instead of closing the door on it because it. It didn't fit what I thought was best. Okay, Jen,
0: tell me what you have learned about yourself in this marriage that you didn't already know.
1: I would say it is that I actually am a good wife, which I didn't realize I didn't believe about myself for 15 years. I just really believed That I wasn't lovable, that I wasn't good at loving, that even intimacy-wise, I was broken. I really believed that about myself, that intimacy-wise, I was broken, that something was wrong with me. Oh, wow. And I think that's been, I mean, that God's just restored all that to me in this marriage, and it's been really kind.
0: That's awesome. Um, I've watched that, too. I've loved it. Uh, It has been really amazing. Also, we went on vacation together this summer, you and me and your husband. We did. <laughs> we went out to Lost Valley Ranch. It was so fun. I love that place so much. I'm I dying know. to have the people who run it, Brooke and Tony Warnock, on the show. I just want them to come and talk about Lost Valley.
1: It's going to happen. Oh, my gosh. They would be hilarious on together.
0: I know. I We're going to have to do it. Maybe next time they're here in Nashville. But, yes, I'm. we're going to – or maybe I just need to go back out to the ranch, Probably.
1: Just yes. to do an interview.
0: Um, you're getting ready to go back to the ranch for Camp Well.
1: Yes, I'm so excited. Will you tell us
0: a little bit about uh, Camp Well is one of my very favorite things I've never been to. I <laughs> just love it so much. And I just wanted I kind of wanted my friends to who are listening to hear about it. So tell me, describe Camp Well for us.
1: So I just had this longing. I I saw across the landscape of women who were dreamers and doers um, who just felt called Um, felt God was calling them to more than where they were at, but they just sat in the tension of feeling too much and not enough. And so they would just sit stuck or paralyzed or overwhelmed. Just in their life. In their life. And it could be um, a mom at home with three littles, knowing that this is the season of life God has them in, but feeling called to something more and even feel guilty about that. Like I'll Mm. talk to moms who feel guilty about that or.
0: And you don't mean more as in something better. You just mean some literally more than what's going on in their house. Just any other thing.
1: Yes. Any other thing. It could look like serving in their community. It could look like gathering a group of um, single moms into their home. It could look like anything. It could look like cheering their husband on. It could look like starting a business or a nonprofit or being a better friend. They just are feeling stuck because honestly, they're feeling stuck because of lies, fear, sin, or distractions. I mean, we're all entangled at some time in life by one of those four things. Yeah. And I just wanted to create a space for women to get away, carve out space. There's very limited Wi-Fi and no cell phone uh, service on that ranch.
0: Which is awesome
1: which is awesome. And as women, I mean, w- men, women and men, we don't create space to just pause yeah. and get rest for our souls and listen to what the Lord has and to to weed out those those lies and those things. And so what started out as a space to just for dreamers and doers to come and be unleashed has turned into a place where women get free. Mm. And it has been so awesome to watch that happen every time.
0: So what does it look like? What did women have to like prep stuff? I mean, this is a genuine question. Do you have to like prep stuff before you come? Are you coming to do people have to have business ideas? Do they have to No. No,
1: no ideas. And you people it's funny because I say this is a place for dreamers and doers and people feel called to come and they're like, I don't even have a dream. I don't even know. Mm. I don't know the last time I dreamed. I don't know how to dream. I have nothing. I'm coming with nothing. And honestly, over 60% of the women come with nothing. Oh, that's amazing. So it's not about having an idea. It's not about, I always say over and over again, it's not for businesses. It's not for creatives. It's not for people who are building or starting something. It's for really anyone who feels stuck. Uh-huh. And so you don't have to come with anything. And as far as prep work, we do have, once once women register, we do some prep work online. Yeah. And what it does is it just gets, when everyone comes, they're just speaking the same language. They've already started processing right. and wrestling through some things and kind of sorting out, which makes their time at Camp Well way more effective. Yeah. So they're already working through some things. How long is Camp Well? It's four days. It starts on a Monday and goes through a Thursday.
0: Okay. And so, and it's at Lost Valley Ranch.
1: It is at Lost Valley Ranch. So this is number seven of our camp wells that we've been doing for three years. That is
0: crazy. So you do it twice a year,
1: twice a year, spring and fall. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: That is unbelievable. And how many women come to about each of them?
1: We have about 40 come. We've got a team of about 12 that lead those 40 women. And it's fun because the first one was at was just in a hotel in Denver. I always this is my go ugly early story. Uh-huh. Is my vision for Campwell was always in the mountains. But the wisdom I got was, you know, do it in a big city, near an airport. It's gotta be easy to get in and out of. And so I found a hotel in downtown Denver that was awesome. Yeah. Booked it, you know, people registered, people showed up and it wasn't until that first day of sessions that i realized we're in a ballroom at the basement of this hotel with no windows oh wow and i always say i was like just go or ugly early now we're on a ranch in the mountains and it's fully the vision that i had for campwell from the beginning wow. but sometimes you just got to start you got to start somewhere yeah
0: talk about what does go ugly early mean
1: um i have realized that people who um, whether it's, you know, want to start a podcast or a ministry or a small group, they hesitate and are overwhelmed or paralyzed or held back because they want to do it perfectly or right mm. or pretty. And so they just don't do anything. Yeah. And months and years will go by for some people. Well, they don't move at all because they're afraid that it's not going to be successful or they don't have the right, I mean, some people it's like, they don't have the right logo or they don't, you know, they don't have all the people that they think should, they should have to show up to this thing. Right. But I say, if God has asked you to do something, you do it. It doesn't have to, and it evolves anyway, whatever you start doing, whether it's a small group of, you know, single moms and three show up, in a year, it could be 15 showing up Right. and it could turn into a ministry. But if right. God's called you to that community, you just, you show up and you do it no yeah. matter what it looks like, because that's obedience. And so that was my, that's my go ugly early. Just even if it looks ugly and not perfect, just do it.
0: Yeah. Tell me why this matters so much to you. Why have you built, I mean, Camp Well is huge and seven over three years and 40 women every time. I mean, you have hundreds of alumni. Why does this matter so much to you?
1: Because I sit across from too many women who are not walking in obedience because their obedience doesn't look like someone else's Mm. and their obedience, what God's asking them to do looks small compared to other people. And it makes me really sad. Yeah, And so they just sit paralyzed and stuck.
0: Something Pastor Kevin said this week, uh he said, No act of obedience is small,
1: amen. It's so true, yeah, and I think that's why God designed Campwell to be really small,
0: mm. <laughs> yeah, versus doing a conference with hundreds of people.
1: Yes, it wasn't supposed to be big because the message we're trying to communicate is you don't have to be quote somebody mm. to be called to something, yeah. I just want to see women unleashed and walking in freedom to do what God's asked them to do, no matter what it looks like. If we could all be doing that, can you imagine? Oh my gosh.
0: Yes, that's yeah. I mean, it would it would look so different in every person's life.
1: And it's supposed to. Right. And yet one call to obedience has no more or less value than somebody else's. And our culture communicates the opposite. Everything yeah. about the way our society lives communicates the opposite. And it just makes me sad. Yeah. The next Camp
0: Well is coming up in October.
1: Yeah. October 21st through the 24th.
0: And it's for any woman in any place. Like you don't have to be a certain thing, a certain nothing. It's just for women who want to go to the next thing, the next level, the next.
1: How do you describe it? Yeah. I say it's for the woman who sits in the tension of feeling too much and not enough. Because that tension is holding them back from something. Yeah, And even if that something is peace and joy and abundance, I think the thing I'm trying to communicate is it could be holding them back from what we think is as simple as freedom, joy, and abundance. Yeah, But those are profound things that Christ died to give us. If we are held back from living those things out and living in those things, we're not experiencing the fullness of Christ. Yeah.
0: Um, And do you still have space left in the October one? I
1: do. Okay. We do have some spots left. Okay. And
0: when is the next one after October?
1: It will be next April. Okay.
0: So April and October are kind of the two months that people can be looking for to go to Camp Well. Yes. And my gracious, any opportunity to go to Lost Valley Ranch? I'm about that life.
1: Any opportunity to go to Lost Valley Ranch. And here's what I love about us being at Lost Valley Ranch, Camp Well being at Lost Valley, is we're the only ones there. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's, that's amazing. That's what makes
0: it so fun. Yeah. And when you go back to Lost Valley, you get to see some of our favorite staff people. I love so I many of them. I mean I know. Emily, who will help you know where to sit and always hand you your dairy-free foods. Yes. Emma, who will just help you with your cabin. And make sure you're getting everything you need. Johnny, who will saddle up your horse. I'm just jealous of you all around that you get to see well, our favorite Wrangler, Johnny.
1: I know. You really should come back. Because it really has turned into... And you experienced that when you we were all together this summer. But it becomes family. yeah. And so it is... That's why I keep going back to Lost Valley. It's because one, it feels like family every time I go back. Yeah. And that kind of community... And that kind of hospitality is unmatched anywhere I've ever been. How do they do that? I mean, I I honestly, it's, this is when you have Brooke and Tony on it's, it's their vision and how they lead Mm. their team. It's incredible because it just becomes their culture. They don't know how to do anything other than how they serve and love and um, make everyone feel like family. Yeah. It's just amazing. So the family aspect of camp of Lost Valley is why we keep going back there. Yeah. And then the other aspect of it is just the story of that place. For me personally, the reason the first time I went to Lost Valley was when Brooke invited me to come out there. Um, she had come to the first camp well in the basement of that hotel in Denver. Yeah, <laughs> she was a she was a camper, and she said, and she knew what I was walking through in that season. And she said, you've got it. Because That's
0: when you were getting divorced. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And because five weeks before that first camp, well is when he had asked for a divorce for the third time. And I stood up in front of these 40 women at that camp. Well, and I thought, I remember I was fighting to believe the lie that I was disqualified to even stand there and do mm. what God had asked me to do. Yeah. And I just leaned in and 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 went, assuming it would be the one and only camp. Well, <laughs> and after that, Brooke said, "You need to come out to the to the ranch just to get away and and heal and process." and And I will be so honest that that week at Lost Valley that fall was incredible healing for me, and a lot of it's because of the story of the ranch and um, the fire a fire swept through that 150,000 acres. The, the ranch sits on um, about 500 acres of that 150,000 and the fire split and went around that ranch and to be there on that ranch and look at the burn around and you got to experience this, yeah. but to look at the burn around the and valley. It was like 20 see,
0: years ago. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. But you still can see it so clearly.
1: Oh, it's, it's really profound because you can see the burn, everything's dead, charred. And then you can see the valley below and how it was perfectly protected. And I remember going out there that fall and Tony driving me up there and telling me the story. And, and I asked him, I said, you know, the families that have been coming here for, for 30 years, I said, are they disappointed now that, you know, it doesn't look like how it used to look. Yeah. And. He said, some of them are. And now when they come out here and they go on rides, they you can see for miles when before the fire, there were walls of trees to the left and walls of trees to the right. And now you can see for miles and you can mm-hmm. see God's creation and how beautiful it is. And that was at a moment in time of my healing where i feared that people were going to be distracted by mm. my divorce and my suffering and the brokenness of my story. Yeah. And i i was fearing that that would be my life. Is people wouldn't see Jesus, they would just see the brokenness. Yeah. And that was profound healing for me to be on that ranch and see that that even through that fire that God had protected me and he was going to use it.
0: Yeah is that one of the reasons you keep having Camp Well at Lost Valley Ranch?
1: It is. Yeah. I mean it is. It becomes a, a place of healing for so many. That's something I never Me too. thought, yeah. I never thought that was going to be a component of Camp Well at all. But that is a part of freedom is healing and I don't I can't, I can't imagine having it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Because of the story that that place was in my life and what it continues to be in the lives of so many people. It becomes a marker. Yeah.
0: I I think it is for me too. I just feel very, um, I mean, I've been there one week of my life and I think this place is incredibly special.
1: And one thing I loved about going with you, and I haven't, I haven't even had a chance to tell you this before now, but I think one thing I loved about us getting to go just on vacation and get away there together is you've cheered me on, you support me, you encourage me and you've never been to Camp Well. And I think that week to see you fully experience the backdrop and the story of Lost Valley and then Camp Well and you cheering me on, even in a place that you've never personally experienced, that's part of what we talk about at Campwell—is what it looks like to be a dream defender for your yeah. friends and for your your people. And yeah. the way you encouraged me that week and just saw what God was doing, just came at a time I needed to be restored in that way, just mm-hmm. to keep going. You know, we're yeah. we think our calls to obedience—the other side of saying yes, I will go—is easy. And like nope. if we're obedient, God's gonna follow through and come through, and this is gonna be good and fun, and and yet the road can be long and discouraging, and yeah. we can grow weary. And I think that was a week of God just through you and mm-hmm. through some other people just encouraging me to keep going. Well,
0: good. I'm glad because you need to keep going. I love Camp Well. I love what y'all do. For, I mean, I've the, even though I haven't been to Camp Well, what I have been is on the other side of people who are alumni from Campwell and seeing how their lives change and so i'm like oh yeah yeah i'm for women going to anything where a year after that i can still see a difference in their lives yeah and i can still see how that is impacting who they are and so yeah so i'm a huge huge fan of you and what you do so i'm super grateful how can people learn more is it campwell.com
1: it's campwellsummit.com. Okay,
0: campwellsummit.com. We'll link to all that as well. But I just kind of believe that there just may be some of our friends listening who they're going to have the days and the time in October, and it's it's right for them to go.
1: And, of course, we're going to give a code <gasps> to your Are listeners. We? I didn't know that. For real, I didn't know that. Surprise. What's the code? The code is that sounds
0: fun. <gasps> So if they put in that sounds fun what do they get what kind of discount? They're going to get $100 off their registration. Come on, Jet. Okay. So if they use the code Doesn't that, that sounds sound fun, yes. I did not know you were doing that. That's so nice. Thank you. So the, if they go to Campwell Summit and they sign up for Campwell in 2019 and use the code that sounds fun, they get $100 off their registration. Yes. Will that count for april as well or is that just for this year
1: if you remind me it counts for april okay totally I'll, oh i'll remind you because
0: my people i want them to come and we yes, love a good it discount will count for april okay i'll remind you okay good but so if you can go in october you should go and you can yes. get a hundred dollars off because you are friends with jen and i yes oh that's really sweet thanks jen um, Jen, thank you so much for making time this morning to be on the show. I loved it. It was really fun. It's so funny to have like a professional, I mean, this is our real life friendship, but it is funny to buy, to think like, oh, this is being recorded. So we can't, we got to be careful.
1: <laughs> Seriously, because we vox every day. And I so know. <laughs> this feels like I'm like. I think, so. I'm like, should we have just recorded this on Voxer? Because then it would have been really... Oh my gosh, can you
0: imagine if we just put our Voxer conversations out into the world? Oh Good gosh. old Voxer. Um. Hey, right. Jen, the last question I've got to ask you before we go. Because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what you do for fun.
1: Oh, what I do for fun. I love uh, coming home at the end of a long, hard day and making cocktails with my husband uh-huh. and sitting at a charcuterie board. Oh, yes. That sounds so simple, but... Really, it's fun for me just to sit around. What's,
0: tell me what your go-to charcuterie board pieces are. What do you got to have?
1: Well, it has to have Trader Joe's fig jam. Okay, that's necessary. Yes, and then there's another combo that I've got to tell your listeners that yeah, is my ready. favorite. So, uh, Manchego cheese. Yes, which I which love. Is
0: sheep, and I love it, so I can eat it.
1: Yes, exactly Out from a cow. And then if you take sliced avocado. And you put lime juice and garlic salt on top. Okay. Settle down.
0: Sliced avocado. So what's the base?
1: So the base is a cracker. I have not gotten there yet. So yeah. Sorry. A cracker. So on the charcuterie board, I slice out some avocado, put some lime juice and garlic salt on top. So it's already on the charcuterie board and then sliced manchego. And if you build on top of the cracker with those two things, O-M-G.
0: Cracker, manchego, avocado. Yes, I do not know this at all, Jen. I'm gonna have to try this. I have all those things in my house, <laughs> right? It is oh, so I don't good. have a cracker, but I can find a cracker. Yes, Manchego, avocado, lime juice, garlic salt.
1: Yes, okay. it is so good.
0: Okay, so that's on your charcuterie board. What kind of meats?
1: Good old salami. Yeah, just okay. give me some slices Classic. of salami, and I'm happy. Okay. Classic.
0: Great. Yeah. Do you keep charcuterie board things at your house all the time? yes okay that's like a must-have in your home
1: yes Okay. because i love being able to just throw one together at any moment i mean it's got some green olives on it some pickles um crackers some mustard salami the little manchego avocado situation fig Mm -hmm. jam really important right from
0: trader joe's even
1: from trader joe's all right which we don't have one here sacrifice i had to make whoa so yeah. So my my closet, my pantry has about five jars of it. Oh, next right time now. you're
0: in Nashville slash this weekend, are you gonna exactly. do we need to purchase you some more?
1: Possibly. Okay. But I'm only traveling with a carry-on, so
0: Oh, that's probably but that's the
1: other thing that sounds fun is getting to come. Yeah, do you wanna to come travel. to Nashville for the weekend? Yeah, to I come know. to Nashville for the weekend. <laughs> this will be out way after the
0: surprise the reason I know here. So, so I can safely it's say it totally and fine
1: like spa massage facial hotel I love staying in hotels yeah we're gonna stay in a hotel it's
0: gonna be really fun we have some other friends coming to celebrate her birthday it's gonna be yeah. awesome yeah. um all right well I love you thanks for being on the show and thanks for the code you're the coolest that's the best
1: of course it's so fun I love it
0: Isn't she the best? I just love her. I can't believe there's a discount. I really didn't know she was doing, I swear. But here's a reminder. Go to thewellsummit.com, and if you use the code, that sounds fun, you're going to get a $100 off of Camp Well, which is just amazing. So it's not too late to sign up, you guys, especially if you just read about it, hear Jen talk about it, and it's tugging something in your little heart, you need to trust it and at least figure out more again you're going to go to thewellsummit.com for all your information about Campbell and you'll get to go to Lost Valley Ranch which is just I love it I love it so much hey if you enjoyed this conversation with Jen make sure you follow her on social media tell her thanks for being on the show and how much you enjoyed it she's an Enneagram coach she's an excellent Bible teacher and she's just a champion for dreamers and women and men and she says a lot that she's a dream defender and it just is really really true I'm really thankful for her. If you need anything else for me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F Downs. F as in friendship, because this girl is one of my best. So Annie F Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of the places you may need me, that is how you can find me. And just a reminder, I'm heading out on the Come to the Table Tour in just two weeks. A couple of the events are totally sold out, but we still have some tickets. So head to ComeToTheTableTour.com. Scroll down so you see my face. Angie Smith's face, Danielle Walker's face, and that is where you can get your tickets. We really, really want you guys to be there. I think it's going to be really, really fun. I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same, and we'll see you guys back here on Monday. Have a great weekend.